let's bring up the sheet. All right, welcome to the Better Off podcast. It's Morpheus podcast number 11, but it's Better Off podcast number one. You people didn't think I would change the name. You people didn't think I'd get a new logo. You people is actually Harrison, so up yours, partner. partner. I was going to say, who, who's been saying that besides me for the past two months? That's correct. Uh, joined by Harry, I'm Alex, and of course, we are joined today by the great, the attractive, the wearing a yellow hat like he just escaped from a prison yard in Pittsburgh. You know him as Prop Holiday on Twitter, Bob Stanley. Bob, welcome back to the show. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Cool. Hey, so Harry's doing all of our audio. I can't tell. Am I shouting? Like, am I too loud? Are you going to be able to fix this in post? I'm excited. No. I fix everything about you in post. I actually put a new face on you. I just throw, like, Elvis's face over yours. Yeah, you see, we screw around, and then you say stuff like that, and, like, it comes back and actually messes with my self-confidence. Anyway uh of course this is the super bowl episode we're going to be talking chiefs we're going to be talking bucks we're going to get into bob's props we're going to talk about a massive seven-way parlay in the nba that bob hit which of course is not super bowl related but he hit a seven-way parlay they were all overs which means none of them were like buzzkill picks so he just got to sit there and like jam popcorn and adderall and coffee into his mouth and keep rooting for james harden to score uh which is how i like to watch everything but the first thing that we're going to get into on this week's show is myself and Harry, my co-host, a little bet that we had from, I think, five episodes ago. It was definitely, it was, it was the wild card round, I believe. Um, it, it actually, it might have even been pre-playoffs, where uh, Harry gave me 20 to 1 that the golden boy, the golden child, the golden something or other, Tom Brady would not lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a Super Bowl victory. They, of course, weren't the favorites. I didn't think they were the favorites. Um, I mostly just figured that Vegas was out of its mind because somehow the Rams had better odds. So never get, you know, if you get huge odds for Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl, I don't care if he's 52 years old, you take him. So Harry and I had a 20 to 1 bet on $100, which if you're doing the math at home, ends up with me making $23,000 if the Bucks win the Super Bowl. So, Harry, let's get straight into this. Um, have you left the country? If not, are you aware of the countries that don't have extradition treaties? Or are you planning to hedge this bet slash are you interested in a buyout? Well, the funny thing is this is a green screen. I know it looks like my room. But, I'm, yeah, I'm in a mystery place right now. I'm actually in talks with Snowden. I have him on WhatsApp. He's helping me out, getting away from you. But I don't think I don't think I want to buy out. I'm confident. I'm just sticking with it. You know, I made the bet. I got to sleep in it. I think that for you, you should be the one hedging just to lock in profit for yourself. I'm fine losing it. You want me to hedge $100? No, no. Bet, like, I don't know what the math will be off the top of my head. A thousand on the, on the, Chiefs money line, lock in 900 bucks profit either way. So I'm the one who's going to hedge. You're not going to buy out. And and we're going to see here. We're going to see what's going on. And I, who 
had no great love for Tom Brady, but over the last really 10 weeks have become a huge Tom Brady fan because as, as I think it was, uh, was it Shakespeare or Jesus who said game recognize game? It was, it was Shakespeare. Um, and he was writing about Jesus. It was Jesus in one of Shakespeare's plays. I'm pretty sure that it was Henry VIII who said gameth recognizeth gameth. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him because he was like, I, I want you all to understand that this is not the Bill Belichick effect. This is the Tom Brady effect. I'm going to go to Tampa Bay and I'm going to go to the Super Bowl. And and he did it. So, all right. No hedging. Let's uh, let's move on to the actual lines on this game. Obviously, you can bet on anything later on. We're going to get to Bob's props, but we're going to start off with the three big bets, the most popular lines the spread, the money line, and the over-under. So right now, the Chiefs are minus three. They went off at minus three and a half. They're minus three on FanDuel. 54% of the money is going down on the Chiefs, either money line or spread. That's according to bettingpros.com. Um, the interesting thing about this is that a much larger percentage of the money is going down on one side of the over-under, and we'll get to that. But Let's talk about the spread and the money line to start. So, Bob, at minus three uh, for the Chiefs and then at either minus 120 or plus 120, depending on which side you're on, is the spread and the money line. Where do you land? So I'm leading the Chiefs this week. Um, if I'm playing the Chiefs, I would probably take them. Uh, I would take the money line. I would take the minus 120 if possible. I understand the allure on the Bucks. It's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady getting points. It's Tom Brady sitting at home all week. I, I, I get all of that. But my lean is, uh, I guess, with the rest of the public, with the 54%, I'm leaning with the Chiefs. Um, and then looking at the points, 71% on the over just seems like your casual fan bet. I am fading the public when it comes to uh, when it comes to the total. So Chiefs and the under is how I see this game. All right. Very I, I have to agree with Bob here. I think that, well, I'm rooting for the Chiefs to save my own ass from Alex's bet, but I think the only way for the Bucks to be competitive in this game is to really control the ball, keep it out of Mahomes' hand, lots of running, and that's just, their game plan's gonna be to burn clock from the get-go, and so I think the under in this play, in this game is, is the best play here. All right, well, look, 71% on the over, but somehow the over-under has gone down a point since the open where it was 56 and a half, so, it's it's interesting. I'm with you. I like the Chiefs, even though I again, you know, Tom Brady and the Bucks have looked great. But watching the Chiefs last week, all of a sudden they looked like the Chiefs of 2020 and uh, the defending champs. I I don't know how you stop that team. Tyreek Hill looked like the kid who was just faster than everyone else when I was when I was in middle school. That that was Jonathan Treber. We used to we used to give him the ball and it was just annoying. He was just leaving little Jewish kids in day school in his wake. That's what Tyreek Hill looked like. Just yarmulkes flying off. People pissed off. Um, I don't know how you stop that. Travis Kelsey's a monster. He has great hair. Um, that's where I come down. So we're in agreement, which once again means fade everything we said. But let's get to Bob's props because that's why everyone's here. Bob, we, uh, we're going to get your top five. We're going to go one at a time. So uh, let's start with uh, with Sammy Watkins. Talk to me about Sammy. 
Sure. So I've been tweeting out one prop every day this week, so five total for the Super Bowl. And I opened up on Monday with Sammy Watkins over three and a half receptions. You can get it at plus money. It opened at plus 114. Now it's down to plus 112. So Watkins is healthy this week. He is going to play. He's kind of been an enigma this season. He's in and out of the lineup. He's injured often, but he plays very well in the playoffs from what we've seen. So in four out of five playoff games, he's had four receptions or more. Him being inserted back into this lineup, I think makes him a solid number three option behind Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I don't see Kansas City being able to run the ball. Uh, based on the front seven of Tampa Bay, we're not going to see as much uh, Clyde Hilaire as we'd hope because he's not very good at pass protection. You see what you saw with that front four did to Aaron Rodgers. So a lot of um, a lot of quick passes. We're going to get the ball out of his hands really quickly and over to Sammy Watkins. His depth of target is only about seven and a half yards. So he's not playing very far off the ball. And if you look where he uh, where he really gets a lot of his targets, it's in the red zone. So they're throwing slants. They're throwing uh, screens because he's a bigger body receiver than Tyreek uh, and doesn't garner as much attention as Travis Kelsey. So him to get in the end zone is plus 220. But I really like him to show up after being absent the last two weeks. So my first prop, Sammy Watkins over three and a half receptions. All right. I like that. It's interesting. Sammy, definitely the third option. But. We're going to see, you know, are the Bucks going to really try and take away Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill? And is that going to land Sammy Watkins with more receptions? What what worries me a bit about this is I almost feel, minus the, the injury risk, I remember the Cole Beasley prop where he just got shut out and we were all sure that he was going to be that sort of, that check down machine. Um, Sammy Watkins, obviously a different sort of receiver than Cole Beasley, but we'll find out. So moving on, let's talk about, uh, about Patrick Mahomes, your second prop. So this one is not a popular one. Nobody likes unders in a Super Bowl, which is a perfect reason why this number is so inflated. So Patrick Mahomes under 329 and a half yards passing. Um, he's never hit this in a playoff game in his short career. It's only been it's only been three years. He's averaging 293 yards per game passing. Um, I, I think the Bucks front seven is really going to make it a tough day for him. He's going to be looking for a lot of small passes. So those big chunk plays that we see from Tyreek Hill going deep, he's not going to be able to sit and have a five to seven step drop to get those plays off. So a lot of underneath stuff. Tampa Bay is um, they're going to keep everything in front of them. Um, and I, like we said, I think they're gonna. I think Tampa Bay is gonna try to milk the clock. So fewer opportunities for Mahomes to hit this target, less chunk plays. And again, it's not something he's ever hit before. So these numbers are severely inflated by the casual better just going over, over, over. Uh, 329 is is much higher. I think he's gonna land probably around 300 to 315 yards passing on uh, on Sunday. I, I even think that's high. Um, I, I completely agree on this one. Um, I mean, I think so I think the only way to play the pass protection against the Chiefs is to try to take away Hill and Kelsey, right, and then get pressure. And so, going back to your previous prop, uh, walk-ins over three and a half receptions. You said those are going to be small plays, and where Mahomes gets the big passing yards from in a lot of games is from one or two long balls down the field that go to for seventy or eighty yards. So, yeah, I think it's a perfect storm to hit his under in the passing game as well. Definitely. So, moving on to – so, your your last three of your top five are very interesting. 
Um, and two of them, the next two come back to a later pick. Um, let's talk about Leonard Fournette. Your next two prop picks are both Leonard Fournette centric. Um, you've got Fournette at over 25 and a half receiving yards, and then you've got Fournette scoring a touchdown. So let's, uh, let's talk about Fournette catching the ball out of the backfield. Sure. So when you think of Leonard Fournette, you typically don't think of him as a pass catching running back, but that's exactly what he's been in Tampa Bay the last eight to 10 weeks of the season. Ronald Jones getting hurt, inserting him in the lineup, and, and he's really never looked back. Um, so from what I've been told from a lot of Bucks fans and, and message boards is Arians is going to ride the hot hand, and Fournette's been that guy. So um, we've just seen in the last couple weeks, he's got targets of four, six, and seven. He's turned that into receptions of four, five, and five. So the smart play, you would think, is over three and a half receptions, but you're laying minus 146. I like him to get to the four reception. Implied odds, uh, implied odds suggest that, but I just don't like laying the 146. So over 25 and a half receiving yards on Fournette is my play. And then part of that ties into Kansas City. They're missing Willie Gay this week to injury. I think he has a torn meniscus. He was really their rangy outside linebacker going sideline to sideline. He's not going to be there. They've, um, they've given up 11 receptions of 20 or more to opposing running backs in the last six games. And some of those games, they had two running backs. I think Miami, um, I think the Saints, I think Denver. They had two running backs eclipse this number from out of the backfield. So the, the Kansas City defense, they're just not set up to, to really handle running backs coming out of the backfield. I think this bodes well for Fournette. Um, I think what we know from Spagnola, he's going to bring pressure up the middle with Jones. So um, the dump off is really going to be Fournette for Tom Brady. We've seen what he's done with, uh, with a James White in the Super Bowl, uh, with a Sony Michelle. He loves his running backs. He loves knowing he has that there. So I think Fournette is really set up to be the breakout player of this game if Tampa Bay wants to win or has a chance to win. So we're going we're gonna to get a little bit later in the show to Steve Spagnuolo. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Fournette. Um, but it's, it's an interesting pick. The, you know, Ronald Jones is, is, seems like the stumbling block there if, if he ends up out touching Fournette by a bunch. But as you said, that could, that could be completely off. But even if he does out touch him, it doesn't take much to get to 25 yards out of the backfield with Tom Brady, especially when you're getting blitzed as much as the Chiefs are going to be blitzing uh, the Bucks on Sunday. Let's move on to Fournette, the second. Your second prop is plus 125 for Leonard scoring a touchdown. Is this more about is this more about just kind of, oh, they'll get down to the two and you think he's more likely to jam it in than Ronald Jones? Or is this more about the receiving yards? Where where does this come from? I think this is more about them getting with inside the tenant and really hammering it in with Fournette. Um, if you look at the front line of the Tampa Bay Bucks, they've been playing out of this world in the playoffs. I mean, worse, uh, Donald Smith, they're, Allie Marpet, they're playing really good football. Um, we've seen Fournette get a touchdown in five of the last six. Again, he's the hot hand, and Arians is going to ride that, especially when they get in the red zone. You're not really looking at Ronald Jones as that guy. You're looking for the big bruising back. Um, and then even from a pass, catch, uh, pass catching perspective, the, the dump-offs inside the 20 have also been to Fournette, which he's taken it in from a receiving aspect. So um, it is riding a trend, but I think this is the trend that the Bucks need to ride if they want to win the Super Bowl. Um, there is some rain expected on Sunday from what, we've, um, from what we've seen. 
We've got Fournette hitting 70% of the snaps out of the uh, as the starting run back to uh, Ronald Jones getting 30%. So all indications are Fournette's the guy. Tampa Bay wants to control the clock. Um, and and I, re I really like Fournette. It's it's the key. It's one of my keys to success if the Bucs can pull this out. Keys to success. All right. Let's get some sort of cool graphic in there when we when we do this. It's the the Bob Stanley key to success. It's going to be epic. All right. And to your final of your top five, Shaq Barrett over one half sack so that Shaq Barrett is going to either get two, you know, two joint sacks or one sack on his own, at least plus 120 similar odds to Fournette getting his touchdown. Uh, give us uh, give us your reasoning on that uh, on that plus 120 for half a sack. Sure. Only in the Super Bowl would I give a defensive sack player prop, but this is this is what we get to work with when it's the Super Bowl. There's so many options out there. So the it's no secret the front four of Kansas City, or I'm sorry, the front O line of Kansas City is very very banged up. They're now missing Eric Fisher. They've been decimated across the offensive line all season. Um, I think uh, Jason Pierre-Paul will garner a lot of attention from tight ends. So you're going to see him getting chipped, but they really move Shaq Barrett around this defense. He's going to line up on the left side. He's going to line up on the right side. He's going to come up through the middle. Um, so him being moved around, I, I think is going to make it tough for Patrick Mahomes. Um, I like him getting in the backfield. He had three sacks last week against Green Bay and a somewhat mobile Aaron Rodgers. And that Green Bay O-line, we saw what it did to the Rams the week before. So um, Shaq Barrett, I think he gets a sack. It's plus 120. Uh, you can go him or you can go JPP, but Shaq Barrett's, uh, he's my pick just because of how well he could be moved around that defense. Um, and then the pass blocking skills of, of a Clyde Hilaire, who's going to be getting more touches than normal. He's very undersized. He's not going to be able to, to really eat up blocks. And, and I think Shaq Barrett gets home at least once in this game. All right. That was Bob Stanley, Prop Holidays, top five, brought to you by top five records from the John Cusack movie, High Fidelity. All right. So speaking of JPP, we, uh, we're going to move on to a couple of fun props, stupid props, call it whatever you want. Um, Bob, you pointed out that JPP is plus 8,000 to be the MVP of the Super Bowl, which would also line him up to be the Super Bowl MVP with the fewest fingers ever and <laughs> fingers blown off in a fireworks accident ever, um, definitely since World War II. Uh, I mean, what what makes you think that there is even an outside shot at Jason Pierre-Paul being the uh, the MVP of Super Bowl XLI? How many eyes are there? XV? What are we? I don't I don't know how many letters. Damn it! The more we get, the fewer letters there are. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't. There's damn you, Rome, in your numerals. Uh, as as, as far as silly prop bets, this is something I threw $5 on. Um, JPP, Super Bowl MVP, it's 80 to 1. So why? Why would I think that? Uh, one is the Eric Fisher piece we mentioned before. Um, the other is, if you remember James Harrison a couple years ago, he got that pick. He took it to the house against Arizona. He ends up getting a Super Bowl MVP, I, I think, in that one. Um, I'm expecting a splash play. Maybe Shaq Barrett comes and strip sacks. JPP picks it up with all eight fingers and takes it into the end zone. Um, a couple, you know, two sacks and a touchdown, a forced fumble, 
if, if it's a low-scoring game, which it sounds like we're all in the greens with, if you have one of these huge splash plays and a nice box score, I can see JPP um, getting the nod. Um, so $5 to win 400 It's my silly prop bet, I would say, of the Super Bowl. That is way more analysis and due diligence for a silly prop bet than, than I had prepared. Yeah, you I just gonna, made us look bad. Harry, Harry, what's it going to take, in your opinion, for JPP to win the MVP of Super Bowl J-R-Z-X-I-L-I-I? Probably Mahomes and Brady to get run over by one of the carts. But even then, Which they might... In a Super Bowl since uh, 19 diggity five. Right. But honestly, then they become martyrs, so they still might get the MVP. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot. But I like it. The martyr the martyr MVP. Yeah, maybe he yeah, goes down while forcing a fumble. I like that. That's a good play. Alex, do you have... You heard it here first. Alex, what are your uh, silly props? Do you have any? Well, so I, I love the Gatorade prop. I also like the over-under on the national anthem because it's the only time. Like, it's it's hilarious to watch people, like, zoomed in on the national anthem. Like, they, like it's just it's just With the stopwatch going. I, um, yeah, yeah. My, I love one it. of my props is for Team Fluff to win the Puppy Bowl at plus 120. I know they're a dog and an underdog. I didn't plan that, but I think I'm going to fire myself for it. You got to take the underdog in the puppy bowl. I replace Harry with my father who makes those same kind of jokes. I like them. Plus 120, it's value on the puppy bowl. How can you, why is there, why is there a favorite in this? I don't know. Aren't, Aren't Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart hosting the puppy bowl this year? Oh God, I hope so. That's that's must see TV. What about do they still do the Bud Bowl? Bud Light used to wipe the floor with Budweiser, and then there was the year that like they were trying to put in Bud Ice and Bud Dry, and it was like, no, that's stupid. We don't want to see that. But I and then I also like the price of Bitcoin to go up during the Super Bowl at minus one sixty. People are going to be on their phones. They're degenerates. They don't get enough gambling, so they throw it on Bitcoin. Yeah, can we all actually? This entire episode is brought to the committee for Robin Hood to go fuck themselves. That is who is is sponsoring this episode. Yep. So I like it's sponsored by a bunch of people on Reddit, and and just screw them. All right, now to the most important prop, Gatorade color. So Bob, you you like orange Gatorade, okay? which yeah. the last time we had an orange Gatorade celebration was in the great orange Gatorade year of 2010, 2011. Like I have to tell you that you all know it, but you want to talk to us about last year's purple tip. Yes. Gatorade scandal. And it just occurred to me why that's a funny name. I've been looking at our, at our script here all day and I was like, why? But now I get it. It's like, it's phallic. Well done, Bob. Talk to us about the, your, uh, your purple tip. So, <laughs> so last year, uh, I had my, um, my cousin's fiance telling me about his buddy works for DraftKings and his buddy works for DraftKings. And he heard that because Kobe Bryant died, that there were going to be purple Gatorade dumped on the Super Bowl. He had an inside tip. It opened up at minus, I'm sorry, it opened up at plus 800. It was, down, 
It was down to plus 200 about uh, two days before kickoff. The week before, I had just won um, Lamar Jackson MVP. I won about uh, 6,600. So I had money to blow. So I put $350 on Purple Gatorade because Kobe Bryant passed away and I had this insider trading tip of Purple Gatorade being dumped. Um, it was not, it was Orange Gatorade. Um, and the arguments that ensued in the, on the car ride home with my fiance of betting $300 on juice will, will take us to, uh, to our 50th anniversary. She will never let it down. And I hear purple juice at least once a month in this apartment. So I, I just, I've always been fascinated by these props in particular. How does this not get fixed every single freaking year? How does, how, like, how do these two guys, like the two captains tell the rest of the team, we are dumping the Gatorade and then go and find the longest odds, have someone in their family put down $60,000 on purple Gatorade, and then go dump purple Gatorade. And like, I don't get how, or whoever is singing the anthem, find out what the over-under is, and, and just like blow it by two seconds, and there's an extra like, I do not understand how this is not getting fixed they they the definitely time. get fixed. Just we don't benefit from it. I fell for the purple Gatorade last year too. Yeah, it's it's well, like not. it's like the Oscar-winning movie Blue Chips, starring Shaquille O'Neal, Anthony Hardaway, and uh, Nick, Nick Nolte, right? Uh, which won uh, best director, best picture, best screenplay, best adaptation into a French language short, and it was all about how uh, Tony, who was failing TV, fixed the game back in the day. Anyway, um, Ricky Rowe injured his knee, had to go back to the farm on Indiana. At, it was just, it was tough. tough. Welcome to but, Film Reviews with Alex Dubin. That's, it's, I'm sorry. And I'm dating myself too. These movies are just like, anyone who wasn't born from like 1978 to 1984 is like, what's wrong with you? And then even the ones who were, kind of they don't they're not like because they know what's wrong with me all right moving on I want to talk about Gronk I want to talk about Gronk because any conversation about the greatest tight ends in history is going to have Gronk in it right you can talk about Dick Butkus Tony Gonzalez Rob Gronkowski you want to throw Antonio Gates in there um I was among the people who thought that Gronk was going to come in this year and just light the world on fire. It didn't happen. He didn't get his first catch last week until I think the second half. Um, there are a lot of props on him, but Bob, you want to stay away altogether. You don't want to go over. You don't want to go under. You just want to stay away from Gronk like a girl who hasn't been vaccinated for HPV. Why? Um, I, I do see that Gronk's going to get more snaps. I believe Tampa's going to sit in 12 personnel more to pick up that blitz from Kansas City. So he'll be on the field. Um, but he's just he's not reliable enough from a target perspective. If you are in 12 personnel, you do have that other tight end. That other tight end is Cameron Brait, who's really outperformed him. The only thing I would touch Gronk on would be a red zone threat, um, just for nostalgia reasons. Maybe they break him off on a fade. He's plus 220 to score. That would be the only thing i touch on Gronk. But his yards, he's really not running deep routes. He's staying in line and blocking a lot more. And I think that's what he's going to need to do uh, this week with the blitz and, and his receptions, I think are set at two and a half. I can see him getting one or two, but 
not confident enough in the over. If, if I'm touching anything with Rob Gronkowski, it's going to be plus 220 to get in the end zone. All right. Well, now we know what it's going to take for Bob to touch Rob Gronkowski. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the two, the two most notable offensive weapons on the KC side outside of Patrick Mahomes and the barber for the team, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So you have two props on these guys that you like. You've got Tyreek Hill under 94 yards receiving, uh, which again goes to our our sort of under 55 and a half or 55 points narrative. And you have Travis Kelsey over 98 yards receiving, and you have a play on his touchdown. So let's start with Tyreek uh, under 94. I know we've talked about this a little bit. It, it's it's going to go along with the the theories about Mahomes not putting up 320 yards, but Briefly, let's touch on Hill before moving on to Kelsey. Sure. I mean, he can make plays with his legs. There's no secret there. And I think they're going to make an effort to get Tyree kill the ball in space. So you may see more end arounds. If they throw the backwards pass, that doesn't count as receiving yards. Pretty sure that counts as rushing yards. Um, he's not going to be able to really get behind anyone on defense because they're going to play with everything in front of them. So I don't see him... I see him maybe getting some rushing yards, maybe 30 or 40, but the receiving yards, I feel like he's going to be the one that can really break the game open. So he's going to be drawing the double coverage from safeties, um, which would lead more to Kelsey being open underneath. And then Sammy Watkins being back, it takes a, a few more targets off of him um, than, than he, than Hill would normally see with, with Watkins returning. So it's, it's a bit of a risk, but I'm going under 94 uh, receiving yards on Hill. Harrison thoughts. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the Bucks have any chance and need to shut down Hill, and he will be drawing double coverage all game. I like it, but I am scared because this Chiefs offense, this Chiefs offense, they could be, have locked down D, and then one guy, his shoe isn't on tight enough, and Hill gets by him for eighty yards. Like I'm scared yeah. of it, but I think it's a well, it's a, it's definitely a play with value in it, and I think I'll probably be riding it with you. Sure. All right. Uh, Travis Kelsey, over 98 yards, and you have a play on a touchdown. Let's talk about TK. So, I mean, I mean Hill is going to be the flashy guy. He's making all the splash plays. But, but Travis Kelsey is putting together one of the best tight end careers we've seen since Gronk. And not many people realize this. They're both the same age. I don't know if anybody knew that. Gronk and They're Kelsey. 30 years old, right? 31. Gronk, They're both 31. Because um, Gronk exploded onto the scene immediately alongside, you know, with Tom Brady, alongside of uh, Aaron Hernandez, right? They were this dynamic, dynamic duo. And then when Aaron Hernandez obviously had his legal issues, all of a sudden Gronk became the focal, focal point. Travis Kelsey, it took a little longer, both because it took him a little longer and because at the beginning of his career, not that there's anything wrong with Alex Smith, but Patrick Mahomes was not throwing to Travis Kelsey when Tom Brady was throwing to Gronk. But anyway, I digress. Please continue. So Kelsey, I mean, to me, the story of the playoffs for the offense of Kansas City has really been Kelsey more so than Hill. I think he's had eight receptions plus in, uh, in each playoff game. Um, he's going over 100 yards. He's really the target for them. He's getting, he's getting behind linebackers in that 10 to 20 yard range. And then when he's catching the ball, he's added another five or six with his legs. So um, I like Kelsey to be really the number one target. D 
Devin White, uh, the linebacker for the Bucks, is actually a pretty tough pull. He's very, very athletic. Uh, you're reading reports of Tom Brady in his ear all week, talking shit to him, saying you can't uh, you can't carry, uh, can't cover this guy. Um, but I think Kelsey's the number one option, and he's a top three talented player in this entire game. You have Mahomes, you have Brady, and then I think Kelsey's really in that third spot as the third best player in this game. He's uh, minus 165 to score a touchdown. Um, if you think the Chiefs are going to win, you can get him to score a touchdown and the Chiefs win close to even money. I think they go hand in hand. Um, you know, Mahomes within the red zone, within the 20, Kelsey's his number one target, and then making a couple plays with his legs. I do think the, the Bucks secondary is suspect, so if he does get behind a Devin White, there's no one touching him in, in that secondary. So I like Kelsey over 98. His lines have been anywhere from 92 to 96, and then this is that Super Bowl bump to 98. But he should be well over 100, I think, for the game. So, Harry, if you're Todd Bowles, Jets coaching legend Todd Bowles, and you need to approach this, let's say that you're Bill Belichick approaching this, and you are going to take away one weapon. You're going to say, maybe I'm going to lose, but it sure as hell isn't going to be insert name here who beats me. Are you taking away Kelsey? Are you taking away Tyreek Hill? I'm taking away Kelsey because of the added threat that he poses in the red zone. As we've seen it this year, it's kind of like old Gronk and Brady. It's just you know the ball is going there. So if I have the chance to shut one of them down, it's going to be Kelsey. I think it's so, easier wow. to play Hill in man-to-man than Kelsey. Well, so what do you think, and I want to know from both of you guys, what do you think it's going to take to slow down Kelsey? If, if, you're, if we're going to say that's our target, um, you know, Smith is a great linebacker, but I still like Travis Kelsey over any linebacker in the league. So how are you giving him help? Are you, are you bringing a safety down? Are you sliding a corner over? Are you just playing a zone where there are multiple players who are going to be responsible for every area? And you say, okay, Travis Kelsey, you want to sit down at seven yards and catch the ball and then get hit. We'll let you do that all day long. So, Bob, let's start with you. If you're trying to take away Travis Kelsey, how are you going to affect that? If you're trying to take away Travis Kelsey, I would go with the zone approach. You give him everything, you know, seven, eight yards in front of you. You're not going to beat us. You're not going to break one. So that's how you take away Kelsey, I would say, is, is make sure that zone is tight. You're passing off people from section to section, and everybody knows their assignment. So what you're you, not actually bringing anyone extra on him. You're just telling everyone, stay in your lane. Don't, you know, don't follow him. And, uh, and let's, you know, let's let him get 14 catches for 100 yards. But, but you know, he's not, you know and, and, it's, and it's also keeping an eye on him on third down. He's a big third down target for them. If you go with that approach and you choose to take Kelsey's big play away and you, you choose to, to lock him up on third down in that zone, now you're running the risk of Tyreek Hill getting behind you in that zone. So it's it's really, you want to call it chicken or egg, devil's advocate, whatever you want to say. If you try to take one away, the other one's strengths will, will really burn you. So if you're going man to, you know, to lock in on Tyreek Hill and bring that safety help to keep him from burning you, you've just given up the entire middle of the field to Travis Kelsey and then vice versa. So um, – I think it's tough, but to Harrison's point, if you want to take away Kelsey, I think you sit in that zone and you give up everything six, seven yards, and you just 
you keep them in front because they're not going to be able to run the ball. Harry, zone, man coverage, the purple Gatorade. How do you stop Travis Kelsey? Have purple Gatorade, Gatorade on the sidelines only. Just purple. Get everyone hyped up. Uh, but then I think I think it's just uh, zone's the best way to do it, I think, in my opinion. I agree with Bob. Let Kelsey get six or seven yards. And if he wants to make a breakout play, make him work for it. Make him break two or three tackles. I think a bit, I mean, a big thing is momentum in football, right? And when Travis Kelsey goes down the field for 40 yards in a big play, that kills a defense, right? That sucks to see a guy that big and kind of, I'm not saying he's slow, but like a lumbering, huge tight end that kills you. Keep him with six or seven yards, try to break up a few passes, make them make a play on third down. I mean, let's see what Mahomes is made out of. They're not going to have the run game like Bob said. So keep everything in front of you. And this right. is, I mean, Whoops. this is a guy really quickly. This is a guy who's had five straight thousand yard seasons. You're not realistically, you're not shutting him down. I mean, you're, you're, you can make things difficult. You can contain the big play and you can do your best to keep him out of the end zone, but he's going to be pulling six to eight catches and he's going to be damn near hundred yards. So um, we're, we're looking at the next best tight end since Gronk and he's, he's heading towards a hall of fame career. So it's, it's going to be tough. And that's, that's why this Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey offense is one of the best things we've seen since I don't know uh, Brady and Randy Moss. Maybe I, you know, l- looking at this offense, how do you compare it? It's it's up there. It reminds it reminds me they were different players, but it reminds me of the greatest show on turf. It reminds me of the the St. Louis Rams who were putting up ridiculous numbers when it was Kurt Warner, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk. Isaac Bruce, right? And that's, you know, if you want to put Edward Zolaire in there, who's still a threat. Um, the Minnesota Vikings, who broke a bunch of offensive records when Randall Cunningham came there, and he had a young Randy Moss, a great Chris Carter, um, and you just, you have to pick your poison. Um, and it, you know, it all starts with Mahomes. So on that, Um, The quarterback is always going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl MVP, just like a quarterback is is almost always a preseason favorite to win the Heisman. Um, Bob, your lock pick of the game, which I find interesting because of the odds, your lock pick of the game is that an MVP is a quarterback. Now, unless something crazy happens and we have a, you know, a, 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 why did I want to say Jay Fiedler? Nick Foles. Shout out to Jay Fiedler, though. Dartmouth. Um, I didn't go to Dartmouth. Dartmouth didn't want anything to do with me. I didn't even apply to Dartmouth. You know what? I didn't want anything to do with them. <sighs> I got to stop forgetting to take my meds. Also, stop taking other people's meds. Not helpful. Fun, not helpful. Um it's going to be Brady or Mahomes. That's the bet. At minus 305, that's your lock of the game, Bob, which those are, you know, you're paying a lot for that. Oh, you're, um, no, you're laying it. You're, you're, you're laying three to one. Um, it, you know, you, when we started this, you said, Bob, what do you think? What's a lock? What do you think is going to happen? The way this game is being built and built up in the media, it's, it's Mahomes and Brady. It's, the legend, it's the living legend, living icon of Tom Brady and the young gun who's supposed to knock him off his pedestal. I, outside of a ridiculous performance from someone else, 
from a uh, – keep in mind, if Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are, have a crazy game, it, it means that Patrick Mahomes is probably throwing for 400 yards and three touchdowns. He's, someone's got to be giving them the ball. Um, so that's the Mahomes factor. When it comes to Brady, um, I mean, he's – what he's doing and the hype around him, I, I really don't see how they give the MVP to either of those – to not either of those guys. I mean, we're going to have to see a legendary performance from a defensive player – from a, uh, you know, maybe one of the running backs out there. But I just, I don't see it happening the way that this has been going. Even last season, Mahomes didn't deserve that MVP, but they gave it to him anyway. It it shows you really how the NFL is viewing this and how they're building it up. I mean, yeah, look, Tom Brady is definitely the straw that stirs the vegan fruit smoothie, right? I mean, he's the guy, if it's going to someone on the Bucks, you've got to assume it's going to him. I think that there's a real chance, I mean, not a good chance, but a real chance that it goes to someone else on Kansas City. If for no other reason, then the Bucks are going to be trying to bring that front four to bear, to blitz Mahomes. And if he gets the ball out of his hands early, yeah, he could throw for a billion yards. But a lot of those might be Tyree Kill catching the ball five yards out and breaking it for 70 and, you know, he gets, Mahomes gets a 70-yard or 75-yard pass out of that. But mm-hmm. anyone who's watching the game is going to know that that's Tyreek Hill, you know, doing his Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl impression. Um, but, look, it's it's definitely the quarterbacks to lose. I think that's um, that's clear. But let's talk about your sleeper MVP pick. I liked this when you said it. Then we looked up the odds and we liked it even more. It went from an interesting an interesting pick to what Harry actually called a value play. Who's your sleeper MVP, Bob? So the sleeper MVP, and it kind of ties into my player props, would be Leonard Fournette. Um, I think he is the key to Tampa Bay's success uh, as far as winning this game, controlling the clock. I think he's going to be targeted heavily in the passing game. I think if they get a lead, they're going to be running the ball more. Um, and I do think he's going to get in the end zone. So that's a recipe. Is it a favorite one? No. But when you look that he's 30 to one, there that there's just so much value in the starting running back for an underdog team. Um, it's something I, I'm probably going to throw 25 bucks on for the hell of it. Um, I, I do anticipate him having a big game and it plays into the game script we've been talking about. So Fournette at 30 to one, I, I think is a great sleeper. And it's it's really shocking value for how how much he's expected to be used so harry you you were you thought this was a fun topic and then you saw the odds and your eyes got wide so you you said you're putting money down at 30 to 1 um you know is that just because the odds are so in like what what would the line be for you what do you think would be a reasonable long shot line for leonard fournette mvp I mean, with how with the strength of the quarterbacks in in this game, I think honestly, I think thirty to one is fair because, like like Bob said, Mahomes didn't deserve it last year. They gave it to him anyways. It's Brady. If Brady wins another one, they're probably gonna give it to him. But Fournette is going to be crucial to the game plan for the Bucks, right? I mean, we've talked about it numerous times today. They're going to want to control the clock. That's going to be giving Fournette the ball. Brady's going to be pressured a lot because Kansas City likes to blitz so much. That's going to be the dump uh, the dump offs to probably Fournette. I if 
if he has a breakout game, not a breakout game, but a crazy game where he turns a few of those dumps into 15, 20 yard gains, he gets into the end zone, end zone once or twice. I think it's a very fair argument to say he's in the running to be MVP. So I think the way the Bucks go into this game, their game plan, 30 to 1 is 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 fine for me. That's I'll happily take 31 on Fournette. So I, I like it. What I'm saying is I, I love it too. I think it's, I, I think it's a deal at, at half the price. I, I don't think that, that 15 or 20 to one is, is a bad price for the starting tailback on a team where, you know, look, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Cameron Brait, Gronk, these guys are deep ball threats, especially the receivers they're not the same sort of players that Tyreek Hill is where he could catch the ball near the line of scrimmage and go for 60. If Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Cameron Brate, Rob Gronkowski put up big numbers, it's almost certain that Tom Brady has facilitated them. So in my mind, that knocks almost everyone on Tampa Bay's offense, not named Tom Brady, out for the MVP. Leonard Fournette seems like the second most likely buck to win the MVP of this game. And at 30 to one, that's that that's a bargain. I like it. Uh, prop holiday. Well found. Um, all right. Now we're going to your prop parlay. All right. Everyone just slow down. Pay attention. There are a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of pieces to this. All right. Bob, run us through it. So for my same game parlay which is only right now available on FanDuel. So parlaying several things inside the same, inside one game. Uh, a couple other sites are picking this up now, but it's been made popular on FanDuel Sportsbook. It is a same game parlay of my five props along with, uh, along with uh, an over-under. So stay with me, guys. Under 55 and a half for the game. Fournette to score. Kelsey to score. Mahomes under 329 and a half yards passing, as we talked about before. Uh, my player prop of four net over 25 and a half yards receiving. So those five things, if you lock those five things in, you're getting 31 and a half to one on your money. So a hundred dollar bet on that five leg same game parlay pays 3,159. And the beauty of this is that you are not picking a side. I have no winner in this. Tampa Bay could win in this hits. Kansas City could win in this hits. But is the player props we discussed along with the under and Fournette and Kelsey scoring touchdowns, which I think we all agree are fairly likely. So this is 100 to win 3,159, a same game parlay for the Super Bowl. I've got $50 on it, and I'm very, very excited uh, for the game. I'll be at the edge of my seat waiting for this one to hit. I think I just saw the Jordan Belfer of prop bets. Man, you got me ready to go. You got me ready to. I'm going to put money on it right now. Arrow time technology. Wow. I like it. That was, that was, whoo. I'm a little. You can't see, you can't see, you can't say it. You can't say it. I'm aroused. I can (laughs) say what I want, goddammit. All right. That was epic. That was amazing. By my count, Bob has now made us all $48,000. Let's talk about the quarterbacks because that people aren't talking enough about Brady and Mahomes. You know, you can't, you can't find any news on either of them anywhere. So let's us do it. Um, 
I want to talk as a New York Giants fan about the Steve Spagnolo factor, the Spag factor, the Spactor. There you go. Yeah, definitely. So for those of you who were alive in 2007, this was the uh, the great Giants Patriots David Tyree helmet catch, um, the Giants ruining. The Patriots' perfect season. Steve Spagnolo, Giants' defensive coordinator. Um, now, Spags is the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and in their last five, Spags is three and two. And since their last regular season meeting of 2007, before Super Bowl XLII, where the Patriots beat the Giants 38-35. Um, no Spagnolo defense has allowed 30 points to Tom Brady at all. So that's the Super Bowl where the uh, Patriots got 14. That's the 2015 regular season where the Patriots got 27. And that's the last two Chiefs Patriot, uh, the Chiefs Patriots meeting in, in 2019 where the Pats only got 16. And this year's prior meeting where the Bucks only got 24. Um, the moral is the Spagnolo defenses do not let Tom Brady be Tom Brady, and they do this by blitzing. KC blitzed more than anyone else in the league this year, 35.7%. And we we know statistically what happens to Tom Brady under pressure. It's it's the book on how to beat him. It's maybe the only way to beat him. And Tom Brady's completion percentage this year, this is this is a staggering statistic to me. Not under pressure, 61%. Under pressure, 28.5% completion. All right. We are talking about more than double the efficiency when he has someone in his face versus not. So I want to know from you guys how much of a how how big of a deal is this? Is this a serious problem? Could we see the Chiefs run away with this game? Um, I mean, Harry, how much stock do you put in this history? Do the Giants matchups matter at all? Um, does the 2019 matchup matter at all? Or is it just the 2020 matchup where it was Chiefs, Bucks? What, what, what are we looking at here? Well, I think, I think the history is important, right? Spags knows, has a history. It knows kind of how to handle Brady or at least try to handle Brady. But I think you have to take the history with with this year, right? Brady in the playoffs hasn't been throwing up crazy amount of points, right? Like even against teams that won't pressure him. So I think this is a perfect mixture for Kansas City's defense to steal the show. Obviously, the offense is going to get the headlines, but I think the Kansas City defense has a chance to really make this a one-half football game and just completely shut down Brady. So again, we're talking about the under, right? That that Tom Brady might not be putting up quite so many points if he's pressured. And between um, KC loving to blitz and Steve Spagnolo showing that that he is directly not afraid to get in Tom Brady's face, it makes you wonder about how many points the Bucks can score. Bob, let's talk about the other side. Patrick Mahomes. Now we have seen this whole season and in this postseason, and specifically in the NFC Championship game, 
what Tampa Bay's front four can do to a quarterback. Um, what, you know, what, what sort of effect will that front four have on Patrick Mahomes and a decimated offensive line who have now lost Eric Fisher. Um, what, what do you think about the Mahomes factor uh, and how it's going to be affected by, by the Todd Bowles defense? I think we're going to see Mahomes use his legs a lot. So uh, the, the over-under on his rushing yards, I think, is at 21 and a half. And the pressure that we're going to see from the front seven of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers um, against this, call it, you know, injured, call it lackluster, this offensive line of the Chiefs, it's going to struggle, whether that be against Shaq Barrett, whether that be against JPP. So I think we're going to see, as we mentioned, we're, we're going to see Patrick Mahomes using his legs a lot more. Um, now, he does have his lowest sack percentage in the postseason despite this very poor offensive line, but even in all those other, uh, those other two playoff uh, seasons, he still had Eric Fisher. He still has blindsided protected. So I expect him to be on the move. He's going to be, he can move around in the pocket. We've seen that. Um, but is it going to be enough to, to kind of step up and, and really make those throws? Now you really have to wonder um, with Mahomes, the hype coming into the season and, and how much he's being, blown up as the next GOAT. I mean, he's only been in the season, uh, he's only been in the league three years. He's got one Super Bowl, he's got one MVP, and he was an overtime of not getting the ball back away from going to another Super Bowl in three years. He's being billed as the second coming of Christ, and you have to wonder, how valid is that? And you know, I, I think this young, this kid playing with Andy Reid, he's shown that he's he's unflappable. And he's playing with the motivation of, I get to show the greatest quarterback of all time who I am versus Tom Brady trying to say, hey, Bill Belichick, it wasn't you, it was me. So very different motivations in this game, but I like the place Mahomes is coming from. You heard it here first, fans. Patrick Mahomes cannot be flapped. <laughs> Will not be flapped. No. no, cannot be flapped. All right? Much like I am often overwhelmed or underwhelmed, but very rarely am I well. Tom Brady, uh, Patrick Mahomes cannot be flapped. And you heard it here first. Patrick Mahomes, second coming of Christ. Have at it in the comments. Um, let's talk about the home field advantage. Tampa Bay, the first team in NFL history who's going to play the Super Bowl at home. Um, and we're going to talk about what that means from a, a fan perspective, right? Now, you would think that during COVID, there aren't going to be that many people there, but this game is being played in Florida where they're still reportedly going to let 25,000 fans. This is a 60, almost 66,000 seat capacity stadium, Raymond James. They're going to let in 25,000 fans, right? Which is a little bit more than a third and 30,000 cutouts, according to uh, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, who clearly, I, I wonder who you get in contact with at the NFL or, or at the Tampa Bay Bucks to find out how many cutouts there are going to be. I also wonder whose job it is to print and place those. Like, can we get someone from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the NFL interns on the phone and find out who spent just like a week putting these cutouts there? Um, so, Harry, talk to me about, about the home field advantage. It's going to be 25,000 or so. You know most of them are going to be Bucks fans. Is that enough to tip this? Are Bucks fans crazy enough to tip this? Does uh, um, is is Patrick Mahomes? As we've said, you think you can flap him? He can't be flapped. 
So is 25,000 fans and 30,000 cutouts, by the way, if I wanted to flat Patrick Mahomes, I'd have all 30,000 cutouts be like Aaron Rodgers and Jake from State Farm staring him down. But what is the home field fan advantage, if any, and is it going to affect Patrick Mahomes? I don't think there's going to be a fan advantage. I think there's going to be advantage the fact that it's in Tampa and Tampa doesn't have to travel. But you have 25,000 fans. I know it's like 6,500 of them are going to be nurses and other medical personnel um, from around the country. And it's it's the Super Bowl. prices. It's, it's a Super Bowl with less tickets than normal. Think of normal Super Bowl prices, right? I, I'm not saying anything about Tampa Bay, but people from all over the country shell out money to go to the Super Bowl. So I think it's going to be a less Tampa-focused crowd than people are expecting. I think what the real, the real factor is just that it's in Tampa as a whole, not the fans, the fact that Tom Brady, the fact that the rest of the Bucks don't have to travel. I think that's the biggest advantage they have right now. Bob, thoughts, opinions, recipes? So, no, I think there's something there's something to be said for, for the Buccaneers being able to sleep in their own bed all week. Um, you know, the Kansas City Chief, they're arriving yesterday. They're, they're just going to have today to hang out, and then they're going to play the game tomorrow. So um, I, I do think it's going to play a bit of a factor, just being able to relax in your own comfort zone. You know where your parking is. You, it's, it, it's a comfort thing, and it's a mental thing more than anything in the biggest game of the season. Um, obviously, Kansas City's been dealing with this all year, and um, and you know they they travel around. It's it's no big deal. But I, I do think there's something to be said that you're you're home and you're with your family and you're you're with everyone all week versus being isolated and bombarded with questions and journalists and things like that. So uh, tip the scale in the favor of Tampa Bay for having somewhat of a home field advantage. So I'm gonna have to disagree. I don't think that this is gonna touch the Chiefs. We've seen this year that home field advantage has meant less than it ever has before. We've seen it in the NBA. Um, it's not like this is being played in the cold, not that either of these quarterbacks are bothered by the cold. But as as we have pointed out, um, Bob's personal lord and savior, Patrick Mahomes, no flappage, can't be flapped. Um, they've been here before. Last year, they have been here before. They have been to the Super Bowl. I, I don't think there's, you know, this this is not, they could have come down earlier if they wanted to. It's not like they're coming from Seattle. Um, you know, look, there's there's no way to really know what's going to happen. And since since the only way to really visually know that home field advantage is having an effect is when you have those ridiculously loud crowds that cause you to call timeouts and have issues audibling. Other than that, you really don't know. You know, they don't they don't zoom down to Patrick Mahomes on the bench, you know, crying and clutching a picture of Arrowhead Stadium. Um, so it's it's hard to know exactly what kind of role it's going to play. I just I just don't think that Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs are are going to be worried about this. Um, the second thing to talk about, and this is a huge deal, is the NFL has decided that when the Bucks score, no cannons. Um, if you're familiar with Raymond James Stadium, there's a pirate ship. The Buccaneers are pirates. Every time the Buccaneers score, 
the cannons go off and that's sort of, that's their thing, right? Like Benny the Brewer slides down into the beer every time the Brewers win. Um, you know, hell freezes over every time the Mets win. It's a tradition. But this is a neutral site game. It happens not to be played at a neutral site, but it is billed as a neutral site game. And the NFL has decided that um, the Buccaneers shouldn't have that sort of home cooking. So there will be no cannons to celebrate Buccaneers touchdowns. So let's talk about whether that's reasonable or just a buzzkill and whether it actually matters. So Harry, is this is this reasonable? Is this, yeah, look, it's supposed to be a neutral site game. We can't give the Bucks anything more than they already have. Or is this like, why, why are you taking the fun out of football? I think it's reasonable because if it wasn't Tampa playing, they wouldn't have the cannons. But also to me, I don't think it affects anyone that much. I don't think the Chiefs defense is going to go hang themselves if they hear cannons going off when they let up a touchdown. I don't think Tom Brady is going to get roid rage when he does hear the cannons going off and just turn into Tom Brady Hulk. I don't think it affects anything, so maybe let it because it's fun, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a neutral site, so I don't see a problem with them not having it. Bob, what do you think? I, I think it's completely reasonable that you don't have the uh, you don't have the cannons. You keep it as a as a neutral site. But think about this in the perspective of the Tampa Bay Bucks. So from what I've been reading, the Chiefs have been making us think about this all week, telling the NFL you can't have this, you can't give them an advantage, you can't have the cannons go off. And if I'm the Bucks and I hear this, I I got the defending Super Bowl champs crying about cannons. We got them right where we want them. So I think mentally, if I'm the Bucks and I hear these guys crying about that. I've already got them in my back pocket. So when I look into that, I, I, when I look into the Chiefs making their case to the NFL, I I see I hear a little bit of fear when if I'm the Bucks. So I I've got to agree and disagree. I agree that it shouldn't be there. It's a neutral site game. It's no different than than keeping the Buccaneers logo at, at midfield. Like yeah, that's that's how Raymond James Stadium normally is. But this is not a home game for the Bucks. Yeah. Um. On the other hand, I do think that there is a real advantage to this. I think that it does pump you up. Like it, it does where, where I don't think that playing in Tampa Bay would have, is going to affect the Chiefs that much. I do think that some of the fanfare and some of the actual home cooking is, is the, the sort of thing that can have some small repercussions good or bad on the game right the vikings have someone blow the massive viking horn before the games like this this is that sort of stuff i think that um i think that bob is absolutely right that it is interesting that the chiefs are choosing to bitch about this if i'm the bucks i am going out and buying every like fake cannon that i can finding out all of the bucks fans who are coming and handing them out to them as they come in the stadium and just like, or, or building an app, a cannon app, where like everyone in the stands presses a button and it blows cannons up off their phone every time they score. And like bring little cannons to put on the side. Like I would, I would play this up and like build up my own cannon core if I'm the Bucks. A, because I think it's hilarious and it pokes fun at the Chiefs. But B, because it's definitely going to go wrong. Something's going to catch on fire. And who doesn't want to watch that? Um, all right. 
let's talk about our our spread pick. Actually, we've kind of done this. All of us like the Chiefs spread. All of us like the under. All of us like the Chiefs money line. So once again, fade it. Um, Harry, you have a couple of prop picks that I really like on this game. You have a Mahomes pick and a Brady pick. What are they? So the first pick that I have is, we've talked about it earlier in the show, Mahomes over 21 and a half rushing yards. That's at minus 130 right now. The main reason I I like this play is just the injuries on the O-line. I think that the Bucks are going to get to Mahomes more than he's used to, and that's going to lead him to uncomfortable situations. I think their run's not going to be involved, but he's going to be forced to run, to pick up a few yards. He might have to take a hit every once in a while. But I think that over 21 and a half yards is a lock. And then my second one is Brady under 300 and a half passing yards at minus 110. I just think I think the Chiefs defense gets the better of uh, the Bucks O line, and I I haven't been impressed with Brady this super this playoff. I haven't seen him throw the long ball, and I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to stop those screen passes. They're going to be able to keep them to four or five yards a pass. So I just I can't see him breaking three hundred and one yards. I like it. Um, let's do score predictions. Um, Bob, what do you got? 30-20 Chiefs. Harry? 28-17 Chiefs. I'm way below you guys. I got 21-16 Chiefs. So we all like the Chiefs. We like them hitting the spread. I would not be surprised to see this be a two, a one or two point game though. Um, could be very interesting. So that was our Super Bowl episode, but before we wrap, we of course are going to do our favorite segment, begging rich people for money, even though again, this particular show is sponsored by the committee to tell Robin Hood to go fuck themselves. Um, bipartisan committee. It's like AOC and Cruz both agree that Robin Hood can go and take a long walk off a short pier. All right, so who, who um, do we have this week, Alex? We have Bob Stanley. That night, ladies and gentlemen, Prop Holiday, who hit the seven-way parlay, the seven-par way, if you will, and even if you won't, because I don't need your support, damn it. Bob made, uh, what was it? How much money on a fifty-dollar bet was it, Bob? We're showing the ticket right now. Uh, it was one. It was a fifty-dollar same-game parlay for the Nets and the Clippers the other night. Uh, it paid $1,166.41, 22 to 1 odds. Um, so I, I put one of these in. I normally don't. Uh, I try to stick with my my straight props for the NBA, but the NBA has been crazy this season for anyone following. Blowouts are running rampant. But I saw a game where I had the Nets, who since they've traded for James Harden, per 100, process, uh, per 100 possessions are the best offense in NBA history. On the flip side of that, uh, since trading for Harden per 100 possessions are the worst defense in NBA history. So I hammered the over on Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Joe Harris points all over. And it paid uh, $1,100 on a $50 bet. Uh, and I also threw in the Nets money line because I just, I liked it. But uh, I got very lucky and I am the the rich man to beg money from for the week. And I'm happy to give it to the better off app. We we built it up. We built it up him up as Jordan Belfer earlier. I mean, yep. He's getting there. He's getting there. It's, yep. 
it's well done. It is very, very well done. Uh, so, Bob, we're here to beg you and your ridiculous seven-way parlay skills and payout for sponsorship money and, uh, and I don't know, popcorn. Like, what else do we need to beg you for? But Bob Stanley, at Prop Holiday, he's on Twitter. He's on yeah. Better Off. You can find us on, the, on Twitter at Better Off app. You can find us on YouTube at Better Off. You can find us rooting through the trash when there might be goodies in there. You can find us everywhere. So that's it for this week. The first Better Off podcast, the 11th Morpheus podcast, which isn't the Morpheus podcast anymore. Patrick Mahomes can't be flapped. He's the next Jesus Christ. Bob Stanley has a lot of money. I don't have anything else. It's the Super Bowl. I'm excited. Roman numerals are confusing. We'll be back next week to talk about all of these props, how we did, how we didn't do. Although, why do you talk about how you didn't do? We're not going to talk about the things we didn't do. So, everyone, until then, enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. Wear a mask. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Harry. I'm Bobby, a.k.a. Prop Holiday. And we will, uh, we'll see you next time. We're out. Good luck, guys. Good luck.